I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Another headline that caught my attention here this morning came from the office of the U.S. Attorney here in the District of Utah, John Huber. The headline reads, Salt Lake City Man Pleads Guilty to Attempting to Provide Material Support to ISIS. Yeah, to ISIS, the terrorist organization as designated by the United States. Salt Lake City Man Pleads Guilty to Attempting to Provide Material Support to ISIS. A 23-year-old Salt Lake City man making that plea. Uh, joining us on the line to share with us the details of this case uh, is John Huber, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah. Mr. Huber, sir, welcome back to the program. How are you? Lee, I'm doing well, and it's great to be on your program again. Well, thank you so much. Tell me tell me about this uh, young man who has pleaded guilty now to uh, attempting to provide the support to ISIS. Well, look, uh, you know, this is disappointing. I mean, I guess it's exciting in a sense to think we have terrorism at work in Utah. But it's really disappointing that a Utah resident would try, I mean, attempt to try to help ISIS, such a terrible enemy to the United States, an enemy to mankind, actually. And he uh, he's convicted now. It's done. It's over of attempting to support one of the most, uh, you know, the scariest terrorist groups the world has seen. What happened exactly? How was he discovered? How was his efforts to aid ISIS discovered? Was it uh, some undercover work online or what brought this discovery about? You know, first off, there wasn't going to be an attack in Utah. That was not part of this conspiracy or this attempt to help terrorists. Uh, it wasn't going to happen in Utah. And this happened on the Internet. Most, More and more of our crimes are occurring on the Internet, cybercrime, whatever you want to call it. And this was him uh, talking to people who he thought were bona fide ISIS representatives, and he acted big himself trying to puff up who he was in the organization. And then he tried to walk them through how to target people, how to do attacks, and the crime of conviction is trying to teach them how to build an effective bomb that's going to kill people. And how do we catch these people? Because the FBI and their partners are good at what they do. And tools like this statute, uh, attempted material support to terrorism, these are the tools that Congress gave us to stop the terrorism before it happens. I mean, we're not going to wait till people get blown up before we do something. When the FBI and their partners find that someone is seriously minded about helping ISIS, they're going to track them down. They're going to monitor them, lawfully investigate them, and with the help of the people in my office, bring justice to this disturbing fact scenario. The, this this young man, 23 years old, uh, I'll, I'm unable to pronounce his name uh, accurately, I'm sure, uh, but uh, he he posed as a member of ISIS himself while in communication with these other two individuals. Is that right? Well, exactly. Suljevic is what we call him. And uh, young Mr. Suljevic uh, puffed himself up uh, in grandiose fashion that he himself was an ISIS leader. And then 
uh, intended to help ISIS in that capacity by conveying to these uh, people who he thought were ISIS information, how to make a bomb video, and it, it was the real deal. So, I mean, I want to impress on people that this happens still. Uh, so far after 9-11, it's still an ongoing threat, and it's still the top priority of the FBI and my office. And it's a growing problem, Lee. You know, when I first started personally handling these cases as a line prosecutor, you know, 10-plus years ago, one federal prosecutor could handle all of the counterterrorism and counterespionage cases that were uh, started in Utah. Now, uh, you know, fast forward to 2020, uh, at any given point, I have six or more federal prosecutors working on counterterrorism and counterespionage cases in Utah. So it is really a problem everywhere. And in Utah, you wouldn't think that we would have these challenges, but we do. That's the bad news. The good news is, boy, the FBI and their partners are really good at what they do. Are, are there any trends observable in all in all of these cases that you're describing being handled by uh, by by your attorneys? Are there any? You know, I, I'm thinking along the lines of like, if you see something, say something. Is there anything that uh, we should be on alert for? Oh, absolutely. And many of our cases do start with with tips from concerned citizens. So if you hear someone talking crazy, if you see them posting odd or threatening things on the internet. Uh, you know, that's going to help us. And sure, we want tips and we will follow up on it. And many times it turns out to be nothing or not too serious. And, you know, we're not going to, you know, bust ourselves over that. But for the serious ones, we need to find them. And sometimes in congregations or circles of friends, we will hear someone say something disturbing or troubling or threatening. And yeah, we need to we need to inform people because in answer to your question about trends, um, we've got a lot of lone operators out there. Some people call them lone wolves who, um, you know, they're a little bit off. Think about the Unabomber and everyone else who looks like the Unabomber over time. You get people who get off the tracks and off the rails and, uh, you know, they get consumed by conspiracy theories and hatred towards the government or towards their fellow man. And eventually they're going to act out. Well, we want to find those people before they do act out, before they go into a rampage shooting situation, before they help ISIS build a bomb. And uh, tips really are helpful to law enforcement to sort out uh, the bad guys from people who are just, you know, shooting their mouth off. And this this man, Mr. Suljevic, was a bad guy. Well, he's now convicted of attempting to assist ISIS. Yeah. I mean, you can be the judge of whether that's bad or not, <laughs> yeah. but in my book, it's not good. <laughs> pretty, pretty easy determination there. Uh, let's go back to May of this year. Uh, he, he was arrested earlier this year uh, and pleaded not guilty. What happened between then and now? Well, you know, there is some public information out there uh, in his plea agreement that notes that he has offered substantial assistance to the government, which is a tactic that we use, especially in the federal courts and federal jurisdiction. If we're going to get to the heart of the problem or get to the next level of an organization, we will ask people to cooperate with us. And so there is a notation in the public record that Suljevic has been helpful to the United States to help us uh, protect our communities and communities around the world. 
And there is contemplation that when he is sentenced you know, several months down the road, that he will get some consideration for helping us keep people safe. His ability to to lend help and for it to be of sufficient value to you know have it be considered in terms of sentencing, to me at least as a layman indicates that he may have been more than a lone wolf. And what can you say about that? Well, yes, you're right, and the fact that he's prosecuted federally for one of the most serious terrorism charges we have, he was right in the middle of it. Lee. Stunning. Uh, any estimate uh, on your part you'd be willing to make on, on how long this uh, gentleman might be going away for? Well, the maximum possible is 20 years. He's certainly looking at some very serious ramifications. But the judge, and it's not my job or my right. prosecutor's job, the judge will take all that into consideration and weigh out uh, his helpfulness against the seriousness of the crime that he is now convicted of. Yeah. Uh, we've been speaking with John Huber, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah. Sir, thank you for your time. Thank you for walking through the details of this case with us. And uh, I'll let you get back to it. you got bad guys to catch. Uh, your time's valuable. Hey, we're going to go get him, Lee, and try to keep Utah safe. That's the way. Uh, thanks again. John Huber, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, uh, we're going to spend the rest of the program talking about Boy Scouts, scouting here in America, Scout BSA. Uh, There is a young man in Provo who here recently has earned every single merit badge. Now, I was a Boy Scout, an Eagle Scout as a matter of fact, and I earned all the required merit badges plus the electives. Uh, Certainly didn't get to 137. Uh, Why did he do it? What did he learn along the way? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.